I would encourage you to open up your Bibles this morning to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, if you didn't bring a Bible, I'd encourage you to, to use your phone and use the U version. But John chapter 10. And I'm going to be actually starting in John chapter 9 so that we can understand the context of what Jesus is saying. And as we've been going through this I Am series, we have looked at two truths of what Jesus said he was. He is the bread of life. That means he satisfies us. He nourishes us. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that gives us life as the bread of life. Last week we learned that Jesus was the light of the world, and he still is the light of the world, and he guides us and directs us, and is very similar to what happened in the Old Testament with the pillar of fire that led the nation of Israel, and we need to understand that Jesus Christ is present, and he is powerful in this very dark world. Today we're going to look at a new image that Jesus is the gate. And translations will have door. I'll probably use gate. Sometimes I may mention door as well. But the image that was used of a gate was well known to the Israelites because they were used to shepherds and a, and a sheepfold and they understood what a gate meant. Obviously in our culture we don't talk much about gates. We talk about doors and so it's a figure of speech as we will see. So John chapter 9 ends with the story of Jesus healing the blind beggar. And we need to see this in order to understand what Jesus was saying when he says that he is the gate. So in John chapter 9, Jesus heals the blind beggar. And what does the Pharisees and the religious teachers do? They, they cast the blind beggar out after he is healed by Jesus. They cast him out of the community. They cast him out of the sheepfold. They cast him away because he believes in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the Savior. So in John 9, 35, Jesus heard that they cast him out. Now, we read that in our translations, but we need to understand Jesus is probably pretty ticked off. He's angry. He's just healed this man who came to him for healing. And having found him, Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Again, all these I am statements, all the miracles in John was to help people to believe. And by believing, you change your life forever because you get eternal life. And he says, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him. Again, he's talking to a blind man who's just been healed. You now spiritually see him. And it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Now what happened there, we don't know. Did he bow down? Did he start singing to him? Did he hug him? Did he, did he kiss him? What happened? But he worshiped him. This is a mark of all true believers. We we understand who Jesus Christ is and that he saves and they worshipped him. And, or he worshipped him. And then 39 says, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. 
Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and they said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus, in modern terms, he said, Darn tootin', you're blind. You're, you're clearly blind. You're not getting it. You don't see. And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Now in our Bibles, we have chapter 10, and it gets confusing. We think, oh, he's going to another story. He's not going to another story. The chapter numbers and all that was added later. This is John telling the story of what was going on. And so Jesus goes from letting the Pharisees know that they're, they're blind and they're, they're seeing, but they're still rejecting him. And Jesus says these words. He says, truly, truly, literally, amen, amen. Wake up, wake up, listen, listen. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Now this is an, an odd addition, but John wanted you to know something very important here. Because he knew other people would read this eventually. See, the Jewish people understood the terminology. They understood what a sheepfold was, and that referred to the nation of Israel. That was Judaism. They understood that the gate and the door represented the entrance by which the Messiah was going to come in. They probably understood that the, the gatekeeper was John the Baptist. But Jesus is using, as he says in verse 6 here, this is a figure of speech. Many of us, we get confused. We think, oh, Jesus is talking about how to get to heaven and all this. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the Jewish nation and who he was as the Messiah. And so he says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So if you ever struggle when you read the scripture, you're all right. You're in good company. People sometimes don't understand what Jesus is saying. And that's what I love about teaching is being able to hopefully bring clarity to things that are confusing. So verse 7 says, so Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, again, listen up, listen up, understand, understand. I say to you, I am the gate or I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Then he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and, the, and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, Jesus is using two figure of speeches here. He's using the figure of speech of the gate. And he's also using the figure of speech about being the good shepherd. Next week, Brian's going to help us understand the good shepherd. This week, I'm going to talk about the gate. Now, I have to say, that, that doesn't create all warm fuzzies, does it? I mean, most of us, when we hear that Jesus is our good shepherd, or he hear that Jesus is the shepherd who cares for us and loves us and nurtures us and, and he dies for us, we're all excited to hear that type of a message. But I'm here to tell you that this message is so important because before Jesus can be your good shepherd... He has to be the gate. Jesus cannot be your good shepherd unless he is the gate. And this is so important because it changes our whole outlook on who Jesus is and why he came. So this morning what I want to do is I want to give us two quick definitions of what a gate even is and hopefully this will all make sense but we need to understand these two quick definitions and then we're going to look at three applications on how it impacts us today in the 21st century so here is the first thing we need to know about a gate a gate keeps the danger out sort of makes sense if you want to keep people out if you want to keep danger out you create a gate. I grew up in a family, and my dad was known to lock doors. And it was sort of funny. He would be in bed at night, and he would think, oh, did I lock the door? And he'd go and lock the door. And he was constantly locking all doors. We as his family and friends, we were constantly upset with him because we would go out in the yard. I lived out in the country. We'd go out in the yard and play, and dad would lock us out and we're like come on what are you locking the door for we're trying to keep I guess trying to keep danger out with my dad one night and I think this uh, you know probably getting to be 20 years ago um, I was already out of the home and it was just mom and dad at home and they had a big house and again they not only had the door lock but they had the chain lock and they had all these things and it was like two o'clock in the morning and my dad, that's when those safety lights just became uh, popular. My dad, he loved to, to do stuff like this. He put a safety light right on the front porch. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and sometimes there was accidents out where we lived. And so somebody was starting to scream and knock on the door, and my dad got up. And, and to his amazement, he went out and he looked out the window. We had a window right where our door was. And there was a man naked screaming at the light. And my dad was tripping out, you know. And 
I don't know, my mom came, and they're, they're both, and, and again, I, I don't know, my parents were probably late 60s, 70s, I don't know what, how old they were, but they were just really, really tripping out, and they didn't know what was going on. And this guy, he's naked, he's looking in the light, and, and so my dad, wanting to make sure the doors are locked, my dad goes and he sort of hits the door switch, and he actually takes the chain off, and then he's trying to figure it out, and he unlocks the door. The guy who is naked, by this time, if you don't know, he was drugged out, and he didn't know what was going on. He tries to get in the house. And so my dad, I just wish I would have been there. It would have been the craziest sight. But this naked guy is trying to get in the house. My dad has messed everything up, and now the door is open. You see, we keep danger out by using doors or gates or locks. It's to keep danger out. So in the context, what is Jesus trying to say? He was trying to say that the gate keeps danger out. It's the thieves and the robbers. It's what we would call the false prophets or the people that were going to say that they were the Messiah but really weren't the Messiah. You see, Jesus was concerned because Judaism had gotten so confused and they had gotten so lost that they were spiritually blind. They no longer could see the light. They no longer could comprehend spiritual truth. And Jesus, the Messiah, was in front of them and they did not recognize him. How does this apply today? Today is just as important that spiritually we know that there are people out there that are trying to get into your heart, into your minds, into your lives, into your marriages, and they're speaking truths that aren't truths. If you keep your finger in John or on your phone and then go over to Matthew 7, you got to see this because it's so important. It applies to what Jesus is trying to say. And again, this would have been Sermon on the Mount. Jesus probably already had given this message and they had rejected probably this message. Matthew chapter 7. And we apply this all the time to, and I believe in, in a wrong way. Matthew 7, verse 15. Again, this is Jesus' most famous sermon he ever gave on the, on the, on the mount. And it's to his disciples, but all could hear. And Jesus says, beware of the false prophets, in verse 15, who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravious, ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a deceased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. What Jesus is trying to teach us is that there are false prophets, false teachers that are out there and they're giving you a false narrative. And Jesus is saying, I am the gate. I want to keep out all truths, all emotions. 
that are going to keep you from understanding that Jesus is the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, your life will be changed forever. The Jews didn't get it then. And I have to say, sometimes, if this is our sheepfold, if this is now the new Israel, if this is the church... There's many of us that don't realize that there are thieves and robbers. They're out there and they're teaching. And we need to be careful because a gate implies danger needs to be kept out. But here's the reverse. Obviously, a gate keeps safety in. You see, the gate's purpose is to keep us safe. (laughs) I've been sharing about my puppy and talking about my puppy, which is named Phoenix, uh, because, I don't know, my son lives in Phoenix, and so I guess we gave it the name Phoenix and a unique name. And so Phoenix is a puppy, and he's all over the place. And again, so we worked, I worked yesterday trying to get a little gate and fence and trying to keep him in. And the reason we're trying to keep him in is obviously to punish him, right? No, no, we're not trying to keep him in to punish him. We're trying to keep him in to keep him safe. Because I know as a puppy and as a dog and where we live, I've mentioned he, he's going to be out chasing and sniffing and, and going after everything. You, you don't want him obviously running out on a road. And I had that happen to me when I was a kid. I had a dog and... I didn't want him chained up, and I didn't want him in a cage, and I didn't want him kept in some sort of a kennel or a running place, and so I let him run free, and that lasted about nine months. And so so, so the gate keeps things safe. Now, Jesus is trying to teach them in the first five verses here that he enters through the gate. And he's going to switch this figure of speech, and he's going to say that he is the gate. But in the first five verses, he is saying that he is entering through the gate. That means he is the Messiah. He's God's son, and he has the right to claim to be the son of God, and that the Father and him are one. And and again, the Pharisees didn't get this. But notice... After he says that he is the Messiah, notice this relationship in John 10, verse 3. It says, to him the gatekeeper opens. Notice this beauty. Jesus goes from general to specific. You remember last week when Jesus says, I am the light of the world? General. And then he goes specific. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Jesus is going from the Messiah... And the shepherd, and notice what he says in verse 3. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Not only are you being kept safe, he knows you by name. You see, I hear Christians all the time, they, they say they struggle to know whether God loves them, whether he knows them, whether he cares for them. If you just open up your Bible, you will know that God loves you so much he knows your name in fact we know in scripture and revelation and stuff your name is written in the book of life it's a personal relationship with jesus christ and notice how it goes on it says not only 
does he know our names, he leads them. Now, it's interesting, he says he leads them out. Jesus came to lead the people out of the legalism, out of the, the Pharisee way, so to speak, out of Judaism, into a different place. Notice it says when he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Excuse me. So a gate keeps safety in. It keeps our relationship with Jesus Christ intact. Gates, doors, they're so important because they protect the most important relationship on the planet. And that is your relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, you want to know how safe you are in your relationship? Let your eyes go over to John 10, 28. He says, I give them, he's talking about the sheep, eternal life, and they will never perish. Again, never, ever, ever perish is what he's saying. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now notice this, 29, he says, my father who has seen... Uh, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand I and the father are one so if you go to the gate guess what the father and the son both know your name but they're both are holding you in their hands a gate keeps us safe and it keeps everyone in the sheepfold safe you may say mark that's not my story i don't feel safe again feelings can play tricks on us and and we're going to see as we go through this on what he was trying to teach us and again he's using a figure of speech because he wants us to understand some deeper truths Here's the first truth we need to know about a gate. The gate represents salvation. The gate represents salvation. Notice in John chapter 10, verse 9. It says, I am the door or I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved now right away in our minds we go to spiritual salvation which is probably the truth he wants to represent but we need to think about it in the context of John in the context of the gospel of John John is constantly talking about life in fact 33 times he talks about life 17 times he uses what I call is a qualifier, an adjective. He talks about eternal life. Then 14 times Jesus says we actually possess this life. And he's going to talk about it in John 10 as well. So the term salvation, like we think, oh, I got saved, or I got saved at this church, or I got saved at camp, or I got saved at a concert. All that terminology we use 
is not really where he's going. But it is true that spiritual salvation occurs when we believe in Jesus Christ. All you need to do is look at some of the famous verses, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and it is not of works, so no one can boast. Our spiritual salvation is in Christ alone, it's by grace alone, it's by believing alone. But if he's not talking about spiritual salvation, what is he talking about? He's talking about salvation, again, from Judaism, from legalism, from the traditions of man that was not giving them life. In fact, it was robbing them. And too many of us, we do not understand that Jesus came to set us free from legalism. Legalism is I have to do something to earn God's favor. Obviously, the story of the blind beggar, he was a bad person. That's the way the Jews thought. He was a bad person. Not only was he blind, but he was poor. He was an outcast, so we're going to cast him out. Jesus is saying the exact opposite. Jesus is saying, I came to deliver you from a system that judges people based upon works and the law. I came to save people and to deliver people from the legalism and for them to understand it's not that they give their life for me, but I'm giving their li- my life for them. I'm laying down my life for them. The gate represents salvation. Now we need to pause here. You see, one of the other aspects of a gate, not only does it keep danger out and keeps uh, safety in, but a gate requires a decision. Whether you're going to a gated community or whether you're going to an airport gate or whether you're going through a door here or going the door out, you have to make a decision. Are you going to go through that gate or not? You see, the gate probably represents the one we're going to look at in a couple of weeks. I am the way, the truth, and the life more than any other image that he talks about because there is only one way to be saved. In Acts 16, when Paul and Silas, you remember when they're singing in jail and Cornelius was the the jailer and all of a sudden, you know, the earthquake comes and, and tragedy's coming and cries out to Paul and Silas and says, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Salvation always comes through Jesus Christ. And when I started this series, and if you were here the first Sunday, I said, the goal of this series is to help you who believe to understand what you believe and deepen your faith. But I also said, there's some of you who think you believe, but you don't believe. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been speaking at chapel. And one of the things I've been trying to communicate to the kids, because I went to a Christian school. Just because you go to a Christian school doesn't make you a Christian. And I do the joke, you know, just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger. Okay? 
going to church, going to a Christian school, doing good stuff. That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is by believing in Christ and him alone. And some of us just never, we get to the door, we get to the gate, and we just stand there. But we never go through it. And that's why Jesus was saying, large or broad is the, the, the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to life because few people feel comfortable with faith alone in Christ alone and grace alone. But not only does the gate represent salvation, this is really exciting for me, the gate represents freedom. You see, too many Christians have entered the sheepfold, but they're still not free. It's very interesting. A lot of the songs that we sing today, some of the contemporary songs, focus in on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and that we've been set free. You know, one of my favorite hymns is, And Can It Be? And in that, that my Savior would die for me. And then there's a there's a verse in there about the chains being broken and being set free. You see, the gate, what Jesus is saying is the entranceway through him brings freedom. You say, Mark, where are you getting that? Well, in verse 9, after he talks about being saved, he says, we'll go in and out and find green pasture. Going in and out and finding green pasture, again, is a figure of speech for freedom. Free to play, free to live, free to listen, free to learn, free to have a relationship with the shepherd. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Too many Christians, we've been set free, but we're back in bondage. And if we understood the gate analogy, we would understand that, that God doesn't want us in bondage. Paul was trying to convince the Romans in chapter 6, that they have been set free. You see, there were certain Christians who thought that they could keep on sinning because if they kept on sinning, more grace would come to them. And Paul says, no, you have died to sin and you've been made alive to God. So now consider the freedom you have. He says, you're, you're free no longer to sin or to be in bondage to sin. And I watch this over and over again in my own life, in my family's life, in Christians' lives, in people's lives in the church. They step back into bondage when they start thinking, I have no control, I have no say-so over sin in my life. And, and they start playing with what I call playing with fire. And they start, and eventually before long, Paul says, you're back in bondage in sin. The gate represents freedom. You go in and out. Again, that's, that's, you're able to experience life, an abundant life. And, and again, you're safe inside the gate in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But notice it says, and find pasture. We are free. This, this is the best time to be alive. We can look at the Bible anytime, 24-7. We can read it in an easy version we can read it in the Living Bible. We can read it in the Message. 
We can read it in more complicated language, maybe like a New American Standard. We can actually, we can read it in Greek if we want to study Greek. We can read it in Hebrew. We got so many translations to feed upon the Word of God. We're free. But too many of us, we stay in bondage. And we stay trapped from the relationship that Christ came to bring as the gate. Here's the third truth, is protection. Protection. And I think I, one time I think I was speaking on John chapter 10, and I remember laying down here because literally, back in those days, a lot of times the shepherd actually was the gate. There, there would be an opening, and the sheep would be surrounded in a wall, and a lot of times they had thorns over the fence, so the sheep would be safe. But there was an opening so the sheep could go in and out. But in this safety zone, in the sheepfold, the shepherd would often sleep as the gate. And there he was there to protect against thieves, against robbers. He was there to protect against wild animals. And literally, and that's why Jesus, and next week you're going to look at this, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The gate represents protection. Protection against what? Protection against, again, false prophets, false narratives. Just because you turn somebody on TV or you go to a Christian bookstore and buy their book. I, I saw uh, an image by one of these pastors. He says, there should be a warning when you go in every Christian bookstore that not all these books represent the Bible accurately. That is so true. We need to understand still today that Jesus wants to protect us. That's why we need to be reading. We did a series one time, reading the red letters. We need to be reading the words of Jesus Christ. We need to be listening to his voice. We need to be praying and saying, God, speak to me. Let me follow you because there's other people, there's other voices out there. I've tried to think about what is the clearest protection we need today. And, and I think this is true in my life and I think it's true in your life. Often we need protection from ourselves. Again, we do a lot of self-talk. We start to believe lies. We let our emotions control us. Um, we get puppies based upon feelings. It's interesting. As I talk about Phoenix, everybody's like, yeah, we did that. Well, that feeling, we've lost that feeling, right? <laughs> you know, people... When it comes, we, we feel good when we know God loves us and he forgives us and he gives us grace and mercy. But then all of a sudden we, we start saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to really follow him. I'm going to follow the advice of self. Or I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to find friends who will agree with the lie that I'm trying to believe. And the gate is saying, I want protection. I want to protect you. Here's the application that 
we need to understand. And again, this is a figure of speech. But Jesus, does, he gives us some literal words that we can take with us. Now, he wants us to listen to his voice. Now, the word believe isn't in John chapter 10, but it, he wants us to believe him. We know that because the gospel of John is the gospel of belief. Over a hundred times the word belief is mentioned. But John is bringing another aspect, which is follow. So the question is, and it's going to apply into next week, is God speaking to you? Do you hear his voice? Do you recognize his voice? Are you in the scripture? Are you praying? Are you talking to him? Are you trying to follow him? Are you trying to obey him? And, and at, at this time, I, I could do what I sometimes hear other pastors do and Christian leaders do. I could get really hard, and, and I don't think this is what Jesus was meaning with the figure of speech, but I could say, well, if you are not hearing God's voice, if you are not believing, if you are not following on a daily basis, then you maybe need to, to check and see if you're truly a Christian or not. The way I would change it is, if you are a Christian, you should want to be hearing God's voice, you should be believing in Him, and you should be following Him. Why? Because of John 10.10. 10. Because you don't want anybody else to come and take the eternal life, which is a quality of life, from you. And you want to experience life more abundantly. And so if you're feeling restless and nervous and anxious, and not just because of what's happening in life, but in your relationship with God, maybe you need to pause and say, have I ever entered through the gate? But maybe you need to ask the question, I've entered through the gate, but am I allowing him still to be the gate? where I can go in and out and find the pasture that he wants me to have. It's a powerful word picture. It's a powerful illustration that Jesus is the gate who saves. Jesus is the gate that protects us. But more importantly, Jesus is the gate that gives us freedom to be everything God created us to be as Christians and as Christ followers.